Hello and welcome to another thrilling white knuckle ride through uh, the week of AEW. My name is Tom. I will be your host for these next two-ish hours. I am joined, uh, well, I always say as always by my German friend Patrick. Patrick's not with us tonight. Uh, he has uh, a bit of a funny tummy. I'm sure he'll be happy for me to tell everybody, all our listeners, all our new listeners. Jack will tell you about that in a minute. But I am joined by uh, everyone's favourite Chesney impersonator. Shout out to our British fans who will get that. Jack Griffin. Thing is, some British fans might not even get that because it's like, do you just think the whole of Britain knows who Chesney is? Yes, the whole of Britain knows who Chesney is. And, uh, and wait, it's like Phil Mitchell, isn't it? He's like... Well, maybe he's not like the Phil Mitchell of Coronation Street. <laughs> well, I was going to say, if there are... Anyway, a... anyway, it's a, it's a big face ginger from a soap. So. It is, it is. But also, talking Coronation Street, who do you reckon people know more that Craig, the fat ginger one, or Chesney, the skinny ginger one? I don't know who Craig is. So you, Anyway, this is, this is not a Coronation Street podcast, Jack. I'll come back to you in a minute. We are joined, subbing in for uh, our good friend Patrick. Uh, get well soon, Patrick. Is everyone's... Oh, this will be a, this will be a job for our editor. It's Liam. Hello, Liam. Hello. Um, before any of you ask me the question, yes, I'm gutted about the Jack Grealish news. Let's just... Can we turn this into a uh, football podcast instead? I've been begging Jack for a football podcast for like two months, and every time he tells me to fuck off. Jack has appeared on a football podcast before, but um, it's strictly about Portsmouth FC, so they've got like... Speaking of listeners, Jack, you we you have some good news for us. Yeah, so um, I mean, we love doing this podcast. It's our, you know, it's our little baby. Um, but sometimes, you know, it does get a bit deflated. Like the last couple of weeks, we've noticed a couple of you dropping off. Um, I don't know what that. Not your fault, guys. Our fault. I was about to say, yeah, uh, the quality's not been our usual best, but we're trying to strive to get back to our best standard. And clearly, the last episode, the fight for the fallen review, is back to our best standard because out of nowhere over the last week which is is i mean it's obviously not you know aw unrestricted numbers but decent but a main talking point is we've got some new listeners so i can't remember what nations we've already called out so i'm just going to list them all so welcome to all our listeners from united states united kingdom iceland germany france canada i think this is a new one netherlands um ireland it's, I know it's, it's that malachi black that's what's doing that's it. it ireland i know we already had um turkey i know we already had and i think these are four new ones spain india now we already had spain okay three new ones then india sweden and the no, one that's no, blown no, my no, mind stay indian i don't that's know it. i don't know anything in swedish <laughs> the one that's blown my mind taiwan taiwan brilliant <laughs> So, I if don't... you're from Taiwan and you want an Anthony Agogo t-shirt, then the comms... Right, so our new listeners might not be familiar with this promotion. God, imagine if we have to ship it to Taiwan. <laughs> imagine if there's a Kyle in Taiwan. So, uh, here, here, is our, uh, here is our promotion for uh, all the new listeners. And it's, it's too complicated to explain how we got here, but it's where we are. So, uh, if you are from... It's, it's quite America-centric, isn't it? So now, now, Not now, how global we are. <laughs> yeah, no, but oh, uh, I'll listen okay. to yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you are from the state of New Jersey, from Pennsylvania, from New York, the city of Chicago, or if your name is Kyle, get in touch and prove to us that this is the case, and we will send you the first AEW Anthony Gogo shirt, even when they release one. If they don't release one, you can get that 
crap one they did for the match with Cody, the Cody versus a go-go shirt. Although, but and now add will. Taiwan, because why not? Okay, and if you're from Taiwan, <laughs> if you're that one, one listener from Taiwan, no, Jack, you're, I'm paying for this. <laughs> the shipping is done now. Taiwan, I was actually going to suggest we make it Kyle and Kylie, because it's a bit... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. If your name is Kyle or Kylie as well, as well as the aforementioned uh, requirements, or if you're from Taiwan, fuck it, I've done it. However, Taiwan. not if your name's Liam and you just decide, decide to change your Instagram name and everything to try and... So we'll talk about that in a sec after I just tell you how to get in touch with us if any of these are true. Contact us at WANK Podcast on Twitter or Instagram or WANKWrestling at gmail.com. So, Liam, uh, I should just apologise on your behalf because we were going to set you up a nice mic for this. Um, that has not panned out in time uh we've had some technical difficulties so obviously there's there's a bit of background noise on your part but um yeah uh apologies out of the way uh tell everybody about how you tried to uh scam the uh the competition and got your karmic retribution uh and you you now cannot change your instagram name back well just a disclaimer which makes this nowhere near as funny i managed to change my instagram today I'm gonna plug it. It's Aww. at Liam. It's at Liam's boring life. Despite no one listening, this probably actually follow me. But long story short, as is, you know, last week they said if your name's Kyle, get in touch with us on Instagram and you would get an Anthony Gogo T-shirt. So I changed my name to Kyle. I changed my at to my name is Kyle. I promise. And I messaged the uh, Instagram page claiming my free Anthony Gogo shirt. And Patrick, long story short, basically told me to go fuck myself and try harder next time. And try harder he will, I'm sure. So, but a big week of wrestling. Uh, obviously, we've got a lot to talk about in less important shows. I don't think any of it will uh, fit into breaking news, I don't think. I think it's it's uh, enough time has passed that we can't call it breaking news and we'll cover it in our less important show segment. So let's launch right into this week's Dynamite, which was Homecoming. You guys ready? Let's go. Oh, boom, let's go ignite. So we started off the evening with the third trial of Jericho, uh, the third labor of Jericho, I should say, sorry, which was uh, against Hoovy, Hoovy, Hooventud Guerrera. Jericho versus Juventud Guerrero to win the match. Jericho had to hit a maneuver off the top rope. Uh, Jack isn't that familiar with with Hoovy. I'm Liam. Are you? Please cross my fingers. I know Patrick is, and Patrick's taking the week off. So, um, I I didn't really watch much of him in WCW, but I do remember when Vince McMahon made him drive to the ring on a lawnmower. It was psychosis and super crazy, and that is good enough for me. Well, that's 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 more than Jack's got. So why don't you you talk, you tell us about uh, this match? What you thought about it? What shape you thought uh, Hoovy looked in? Whether he's missed a step? You know, all the all the all the good stuff. Um, any 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 impressive spots? Take the take the lead, my son. Uh, well, I thought the match started off a bit slow, but uh, to be fair, I wasn't really expecting this to be a good match between Hoovy and Tude, who I don't think wrestles that often now, but that may not be true. And obviously, Chris Jericho isn't really what he used to be. And I thought if they were going to actually do, 
you know, this whole teased retirement of what teased, obviously it's rumoured on the internet, they're doing a thing with Jericho retiring and it's coming out as a different gimmick every week. I thought it would have come out like Lion Tamer Jericho, but, or at least maybe like, you know... Shiny different... jacket. Yeah, something like that. Not the light-up jacket, but like the reflect, reflective one, yeah. Yeah, well, at least something like that, but of course, like, nothing like that's happened. So I don't know where we're going with it. The match itself is average. It wasn't really anything that was spectacular, but it's just a standard TV match I'd expect from AEW. I did like how they, the way they finished the match, like, obviously with the stipulation being what it was, I felt it was clever that they actually done that. Uh, I'm just reading what else I've got in my notes. Sorry, I'm really well organised. Uh, I forgot you. Yeah, oh, well, I can pick it up for you. Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, the only thing I've got is obviously neither of them are in the physical prime, but, you know, like, like I said, it was still a good enough match considering both the quality of wrestler that was involved at this point in their careers. I thought um, Hooventude was really, really fast uh, considering, you know, I like you, I haven't been keeping up with his career, so I don't know how often he, how often he wrestles. I wouldn't be surprised if... I mean, he's got... I mean, he's in great shape and he's... Um, yeah, I mean, he might not be as fast as he once was because, as the commentators were reminding us, he's you know possibly the fastest Luchador of all time. But he was um, he was darting around the ring. Uh, you know, a couple of moves were a little bit sloppy, but I can forgive it. Um, one that particularly caught my eye was that at uh, top rope bulldog to the outside. He was up on the ropes and um, dived to the outside, caught Jericho's head. Um, I actually, I'm not going to disagree with you because I don't think it was. I don't think it was amazing. I don't think it was like a one to write home about, but I thought it was, uh, I thought it was, there was a lot of good stuff in this. Um, the, the walls of Jericho off the top to begin with, that was very creative because that was a move off the top. And, uh, and that, that Judas effect off the top rope was so clean. It was so smooth. The rotation he caught, I thought it was fantastic. Um, Jericho obviously kicked out of the Hoovy driver as well. Um, just want to take a minute to talk about MJF on commentary during this. So what I was going to do, but I had to help your bloody ass with, uh, with the, with, with the mic, I was gonna clip the 10 best, uh, moments of MJF commentary. In fact, I want to do that. So I'm going to do it next week, just as a treat. Um, but he was hilarious on commentary. Uh, I won't give you any of it away. You can tune in next week and we will give our... Because there was that many. There was that many sick burns and hilarious moments from MGF that I can actually give a top 10 from this match alone of uh, MGF commentary moments. So that'll be coming your way next week. But Jack, uh, obviously after the match, Wardlow interrupted. Oh, I say interrupted. The match was over. But he uh, gave the F10 to Hoovy. And then the casualty of war, which I assume he's been hitting a lot on dark and dark elevation, which I don't, I don't watch, but I know you do, um, because they mentioned how he's been laying out so many people with it uh, on Jericho. MGF gets on the mic, says labor number four is Wardlow. Um, here's where things get a bit, a bit cloudy for for the rest of Dynamite because they lead, they being MGF, and then um, and then the commentary team corroborating him kind of lead us to believe that MGF is going to be the special referee in the match with Wardlow, which I thought was a fantastic stipulation. But then later in the night, uh, I think near towards the main event, they clarify that he's just, you know, they show us a preview of next week, it's Wardlow with MGF. And I want to know how that's a particularly 
you know, interesting stipulation when I'm pretty sure MGF would have come to the ring with Wardlow anyway, wouldn't he? I, I would have just taken that as a given. So I don't know. First off, your thoughts on the match and second on um, on that, on what happened after the match and that reveal. Okay, we'll start off um, with the match. Do you want my positives or negatives? Oof. Uh, I'll tell you what, give us... We, we we had uh, we had negative Liam and then I think I brought it up a bit so why don't you give us the negatives and then the po- we'll end on a positive negatives I'm just going to go out on limb worst match in a night it was not yeah that's what I'm going for it was um, not I'm I'm doing, I'm putting it out there obviously it you know this this is not. why we do this podcast you know personal opinion but I thought this was a uh, the first couple of minutes was just hard to watch very slow very sloppy um, they got serious. into it. Juventude, um, you know, fair play, pacey, you know, good, good for his age. Um, and I thought, I don't know, they just seemed like they didn't have much chemistry for a few that, you know, have been um, going for a while or, you know, back in the day. Um, but yeah, semi-disappointed, least favourite of the um, stipulations so far. Um, and yeah, hopefully, you know, this was, I just feel like the stipulation thing, the Labour's Jericho have, like, for me, the interest level, like it peaked to Nick Gage. Do you know what I mean? That was insane. And then obviously, Hooven to Guerrero, I personally don't know. So I've got to kind of, you know, I learned obviously for his match and, you know, I'm not putting this match, like my opinion on him. Um, but obviously, you know, it had to try and win me over because obviously, you know, I'm not knowing him and I don't think it would have done too much um, for newish fans like myself who don't know him. It just, I think... A lot of newer fans who, like I said, don't know him, but might have find found this boring. Um, but that's the only neg- like that's the negatives just out of the way. But the good stuff, um, I agree. A couple of moves Jericho pulled were really creative and really good. Exactly the same ones you pointed out. Um, Lion Tamer off the top rope and that Judas effect off the top rope at the end as well was really clean, really cool. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was actually two Judas effects he hit him with, wasn't it? Because he went for the first one. He went but for the first then one. Aubrey was like, yeah. "Do you see MGF called Aubrey a hussy?" <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. it's in my rundown. That's a spoiler from next week. I'll uh, have my top ten MGF commentary moments, but yeah, that was one of them. I think my, fa- my, my the one that stuck out to me was um, I think Hooven Two did something. I can't remember what move, and I just heard MGF go, "I told him that." <laughs> or something like yeah, that was that's on there. That's in my top ten. <laughs> that was my um. It yeah, was a thrust so kick, and he claimed to have taught him that move. <laughs> but that, that, that was my review. Um, I don't want to dwell on it too much because I know I brought a downer on it for this podcast, so we'll just go on the end of the um, the end of the match stuff. Um, I, I you had a positive to tell us. That was the moves. Jericho. Jericho was okay. positive for me. Um, and, you know, the creativity of the stipulation and what he had to do with it. The end of the match stuff. Um, personally, I didn't hear what they said about him just being, you know, with Wardlow. I have looked it up, and it still says on previews for next week, Five Labours of Jericho, number four match, Chris Jericho versus Wardlow, special referee, MJF. So I think it was just a mistake on the commentary side. The, well, no, the, the splash card late in the evening, I, I made sure, said with Wardlow. So maybe, I don't know, maybe there was a miscommunication of what it was going to be. Yeah, um, I think the referee go back, go back and watch. Well, no, go, go back and watch it. It is better, but I'm thinking maybe there was like, it was originally going to be with him at ringside because they had the splash card already. Yeah. It said, it said, but then he when they realised realised it had come across as referee, they were like, we might as well just go with this because that is better. Um, well, yeah, it, it, it makes it more different because MJF's always at ringside with like, you know, so it's like, what's the point? You've got to, yeah, and I think the referee thing is going to put a really interesting take on it. When I, was I mean, watching, if it happens, I'm still, I'm still not convinced. I, I'm convinced it will. Go back and watch it. Go back and watch it. It, well, says I, MGF, I, I, it, it shows the preview of next week. It says MGF with Wardlow. I, I, I believe he'll be, I believe he'll be the ref. 
So we'll see. We'll, you know, we we're both. Well, whatever happens, it'll be good. I enjoy it. We we keep on singing Wardlow's praises. Um, you know, and it he, he is a I love him. He's so underrated. He is a fierce stipulation. I was expecting a bit more, like maybe another cage match. You know, like the Cody one or so, or making. No, it a bit I think more if, it, if it is if it is a special referee stipulation, I think that's perfect because I can't see how Chris Jericho can win. No, I was. That's what that. that's what they that's what that's what they want. I can't think how they're going to do it, and that's brilliant. You know. It'll be interesting to see how they do, uh, whether someone comes out, maybe Sammy. Um, I don't know. And it'll be... It's maybe, a knocked, maybe MGF's knocked out and they count with his hand or something. Yeah, exactly. But that, that's my um, take on it. Yeah, after match, looking forward to that next week. Uh, it's gone up a little bit now. The Labors, like I said, went down a little bit this week, but maybe next week we'll see it on the rise before we get to MGF. But I can see Liam with his hand up, so I'll pass they over didn't to Liam. They did too early, didn't they? Um, they did, yeah, go they did. To, Let's go over to Liam. I feel like I'm in primary school with me having to hold my hand up, to be honest. But uh, to my opinion on the end, bit at the end, see, I was a bit underwhelmed at first, like when the Labour 4 was Wardlow. But then at the same time, it kind of seems that when he puts across how highly Wardlow's rated by MJF for him to be Labour 4. But it's like I said, I don't, I don't know whether it's special guest referee or just uh, MJF with Wardlow. Uh, as obviously just like being his manager or whatever I'm still confused myself on what they're gonna, what we're going to go down but I suppose we won't find out until next week You saw what I saw then Liam on the preview for next week it said MGF with Ward no sorry Wardlow with MGF yeah I'm not going crazy uh, Yeah yeah definitely I did say that Yeah thank you Vindication I'm standing by right. myself I, I hope it is I hope it is because that's a fantastic stipulation and like I said if it's just uh, Wardlow with MGF. It's. It, I mean, how is that a stipulation? Because surely MGF would have come to the ring with him anyway. He always used to, but uh, or Wardlow always used to come with him rather. But anyway, next up, it was Dasha Gonzalez interviewing Death Triangle. Uh, so Pack has had his travel cancelled. Wonder who was behind that. They seem to have an in with uh, all the travel agencies <laughs> around. Uh, in multiple states, Andrade does. He seems to have like this, this massive power to cancel travel. It's, it just seems to be seems to be his gimmick at the moment, the travel canceller, because they obviously cancelled Pack and uh, Ray Phoenix's travel to then reorder them a limo. Um, Andrade and Tra Chavo are basically flirting with uh, the remaining members of Death Triangle, uh, Sans Pack again. The Luch Brothers again refuse them. Uh, refuse. Uh, the offer to join their little group that they're trying to get going. Uh, Jack, I'll come to you. Give us, give us, um, give us your thoughts about where where is this going? Because you were here last week when we talked about this, and it does make me uncomfortable in a way. There's there's just this there's this, just this burgeoning sexual energy about it. Like, come on, leave your man, leave your man for me. Look look how much of a life I could give you. You know, it's uh, it, it it disconcerts me. Yeah, um, I'm the same. I don't think this did anything to develop the storyline. They just did the same thing, but this time with Pac not there and Luch Brothers there. Um, I'm interested if it culminates in a all-out match between Pac and um, Andrade, then I think it would all be worth it. I did see some funny stuff on Reddit saying the custody of the Lucha Brothers match or something. I was just going to say Lucha, Lucha Brothers on a pole match. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, cust the custody, just in case you weren't familiar, the custody of Lucha Brothers uh, match would be a reference to when um, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio had a custody of Dominic match when it was like, <laughs> who's his real father kind of thing. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, but um, yeah, not really too much out. That's just all I all I want from this feud is to have Pack versus Andrade all out because I think that'd be really fucking good. Um, and I'd enjoy seeing that a lot. What but a match that will be! That would be that. On, on a technical level, not on a hype level, because there's going to be, I mean, there could be one all out card is going to be that's gonna, yeah. But on a technical level, that could steal the show. Um, I don't, I don't think it's going to steal the show in the sense that um, a certain Mister Brooks may be there and uh, probably will be there, and uh, yeah, uh, and there's nothing's going to pull any focus from that whatsoever in Chicago of all places. However, on it, like I said, on a technical level, I think that could be the the match of the night. To be honest, um, it looks amazing. Next up. We had uh, Tony Schiavone interviewing the Dark Order. So Adam Page apologizes uh, to the Dark Order for for costing them their tag title shot. He says it's his fault. Um, it, you know, it's his fault they ended up getting involved with the Elite, and he needs to kind of sort it out himself without them. He needs to prove that he can succeed without them. He uh, he says he loves them. But they're done. Basically, he uh, he needs to go. He needs to go his own way. Um, Evil Uno tells the other members of the Dark Order to, you know, if that's what he wants, let's give him some space. Let's give him some space. Um, Liam, what are your thoughts on this? It's tragic, wasn't it? A tragic development in the tale, but one I think we saw coming. Uh, yeah, I mean, as you said, it's one that we've seen coming, like. I expected it, and it's the only way, realistically, I felt the story could go. So, obviously, longer term, I don't know what this entails. Obviously, we'll find that out further down the line, but I don't know. But actually, wait, no, that's later on in the night, so I won't say anything about that. Yeah. Yes, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, yeah, I'm going to be quite worry. good because the second Andrade thing, I'm going to have Jack talk about that, and the see, I plan all this out. No, you talk about that, and then Jack. Next up, we had, it was a match, we had John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, and Darby Allen versus 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. So I don't know who to come to on this, because I, hold my hands up, I don't watch any WWE programming. It's not out of a kind of um, kind of snobby attitude or anything. It's, it's just that I don't have time in my schedule, and if I did, I would watch NXT for sure. Um, but I'm not familiar with 2.0's work, or Ever-Rise, as they were known. Um, and, uh, see, I don't know who to come to, because Daniel Garcia's been on Dark, and I know Jack watches Dark, but seeing as go I was just Liam. talking to... Go to Liam? Oh, that's that's very good of you, because I just went to Liam a minute ago, but I shall go to Liam now. Liam, uh, yeah, give us, a, give us a rundown on this. What what did you make of this match? Was it a good debut? To give us a little bit more info on 2.0, etc., etc., uh, well, I thought this match was basically something like you would see at an AEW house show. They was the thing. Like, it felt a bit weird seeing a match like this on Dynamite because you don't traditionally see matches like this on Dynamite. Uh, Ever Eyes, they're pretty much standard tag team. They're talented. I don't know how long they've been ta- uh, tag- tagging for or whether they were formed in NXT or prior to NXT. But obviously, they've done work in NXT before, and I know Kevin Owens is a big fan of them. and Obviously, he knows his shit, so they obviously do have a bright future ahead of them. Whether they'll end up at AW full-time, I don't know. Personally, I think they'll probably end up at somewhere like Impact or MLW or somewhere like that. Uh, but it, at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if they was at Dark or Dark Elevation or just hanging around for a bit, just so they can see if they potentially could end up at AW. But 
personally, I don't see that happening. I mean, I've got, you know, like you say, Kevin Owens um, is a fan and he knows more than me, uh, obviously, but I, I, I wasn't impressed. I wasn't, this was the first I've seen them and I wasn't impressed. Um, like, I mean, it, it was a glorified squash match, so maybe that's why, but um, yeah, the, they just, I don't know, they seem to do, they seem to have a good energy about them, but then do a whole load of nothing, and that might have been down to the fact that they were the ones in charge during the ad break, which is always kind of the rest hold segment, but they, you know, they were dragging people around the ring, but it didn't really lead to anything, um, and that, oh god, that one that always does the talking, he's, I don't know, if that's a good thing maybe, if they're supposed to be healed, but he strikes me as so obnoxious, um, the one that got in Sting's face and then Darby did the dive out at him, I'm not sure what his... Wh- his name was it's Lee some something Lee, um, but yeah no uh, the end of the match specifically was a bit odd for me uh, with John Moxley well John Moxley throughout the whole night seemed to have it in for um, the third man what's his name Garcia um, and uh, that 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 seems to be odd Darby seemed to be not in this match at all this seemed to be he seemed to do the dive out when. Um, when one of Everise, sorry, 2.0, were facing off with Sting. He seemed to do that tope, and then he seemed to come back at the end for the coffin drop, which came after John Moxley. I don't know whose fault this was, but it looked like he kind of overcooked the paradigm shift. They were calling it the paradigm shift, but it wasn't really a paradigm shift. It was kind of like a um, a double underhook suplex kind of thing. Uh, but, um, yeah, I see, I don't know how you can say Chris Jericho versus Juventud Guerrero was the worst match of the night, because... There were like three matches that I didn't enjoy more than that, but I'll come to you, Jack. What were your thoughts on this match as a first-time viewer of Everise? Sorry, two, I keep doing it. Two point, I've never even seen them, and I'm going by their old name. What's wrong with me? Um, first-time viewer of 2.0, and also I'm assuming this isn't the first time you've seen Daniel Garcia, seen as you do plunge the depths of dark fairly often. Yeah, well, I'll keep this brief. I actually... Very... <sighs> I skim kind of through dark dark elevation, so I've not actually seen too much of him, if I'm honest. Um, and 2.0 um, or Ever Eyes again, not seen too much of them, um, so terrible. But yeah, like I said, to keep it brief. Um, yeah, this this wasn't a dynamite match in you know at all, um, as you guys put it right to me this felt very much like when you go see you know WWE over in the UK and it's just one of their like a house show. Um, that being said, I, I just enjoyed this match a bit more than the Jericho one. I thought it was a lot more fun. Um, sure, it wasn't, you know, storyline-wise. Storyline-wise, that one was better because at least it furthered something. This one was just like, oh, you know, we got we got a spare pet space on the card. Let's throw like an all-star kind of gang together. Um, against these guys, I mean, I don't, I don't think they have enough room on the card to be doing these kind this of matches is, and with this is the, where I the talent say, they've got. Yeah, well, this is where I want to say about put an extra women's match in. Do you know what I mean? Instead of like one of these, so I enjoyed Chris, it. Chris, Chris Statlander and Nyla Rose were there. You know, they could have. Had, they did. I mean, I know they've set up a match next week. Probably the one women's match next week. So they could have had that this week, though. Do you know what I mean? They could have set that up um, last week and had that this week, but. Yeah. yeah, but overall, it was a fun match, and um, I'm sure if I was there live, I I would have enjoyed it, but Dynamite's not a house show, and it shouldn't have house show kind of star matches, and this is what, brutally, this was, so... So, yeah. It, it seems to be it seems to be a thing with Daly's plays. They go... See, this is... I mean, you know, we don't want to talk about... We don't... You know, in this day and age, we don't want to plan more than the 
couple of months in the future when it comes to wrestling and attendance and whatnot. But, you know, they are officially as it stands past the covid era now and back to the touring era so when they come back to daily's place they shouldn't treat it like a covid era show it should be like a touring show but it just seems to be this kind of habit they have with daily's place they come back and they put these kind of and it becomes dark namite do you know what i mean yeah no i agree with that um they, i mean they obviously had that they had that kind of the main event which obviously could have main evented anywhere on the road or a pay-per-view even but um yeah just just uh everything else kind of fell a bit flat for me tonight most yeah. of it i i actually quite like the jericho hoovy match but fuck me right <laughs> well no no it, overall i don't think it was a great dynamite um and i agree the only match that really kind of stood strong was the last one um in terms of like what would you know like you said what was in a dark dynamite match um and yeah it's a it's a weird daddy's place curse i think they got um but you know we, we move on and there's plenty more to talk about um, and, you know, let's, let's do that. <laughs> and talk about it we shall. So next up, it was a promo from Team Taz. So uh, Brian Cage. Okay, so one thing that struck me about this before I get in is Brian Cage actually has quite decent mic skills. So I'm wondering why they ever needed Taz as his mouthpiece in the first place, even before kind of Team Taz started to form. But I digress. Uh, Cage says Taz didn't uh get him to where he is you know he's been working for i forget how long he said like 14 years or 17 years or one of those numbers <laughs> stark says brian is selfish and uh that that um starks is going to go to greater heights than he ever did uh cage says being with them did nothing for him because taz is saying you know you're gonna you're gonna find out it's better to be with us than against us so brian replied that you know being with you did nothing for me look where it's got me says he never wanted the tnt title um last week where he kind of uh wiped out the band that was only the beginning of the the destruction that's coming their way liam uh, are you invested in a continuation of this feud um how how do you think Brian Cage kind of looks from here? Um, can you see him kind of, you know, reaching the upper heights once he's done with this? Do you think this this could elevate him? Um, you know, what what? Yeah, give give us your in, give us your take on this. Uh, well, first of all, this isn't relevant, but Jack saying uh, Daly's place genuinely reminded me. Why have they went back to Jacksonville so quickly? I don't know whether I'm on my own by this, but obviously I've re I don't think they've been live away from Jacksonville that much. It's only no, around a month, I think. It's true. I mean, Maybe the, a little might, bit longer. It, it might be a case of only hitting up the um, the states where you know COVID restrictions are, because obviously Florida is a safe haven for that. It's um, it, yeah, it's I don't want to get too political, but they're not that the governor or whatever i think it's it is he's um not going to be enforcing things like uh masks at events or proof of vaccination and stuff like that so they they can always go uh you know it's always going to be there um for better or worse so i don't know whether it was a a uh a matter of just going to the places they know are safe to go well not safe obviously the opposite of safe but uh places they can go at the moment and not booking too far in advance but who knows but we digress I asked you about Brian Cage. Indeed you did, and to actually give you an answer on that, uh, I don't really know where... I thought this would have ended when Starks won the belt. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure, obviously, that Cage is going to get a rematch for the title. But the thing is, 
this title but, literally but doesn't be, mean anything sorry, because it's never been like this title doesn't really mean anything because it's been defended like once or twice like why would I care if Brian Cage wins it back if all he's going to do is sit there for a year and just not defend it again well, what I so rudely, sorry, uh, nearly interrupted you with, was Brian Cage said he never cared about the title. You know, it was, it was Taz that was putting the title on him, so it would be hypocritical, surely, if, if their rematch was for the title, don't you think? Yeah, that's a good point, Ben. I suppose, obviously, Brian Cage would just want a match with him to just want revenge, then he won't care about the belt, Ben. But after that, I'm gathering all just both go on to different things. I mean, to be fair, like, I, I can't remember, I think, I think I read this on Reddit, but... Brian Cage versus Miro are all out potentially if they don't do Starks versus Cage are all out could be the way they're going with this but we'll have to watch there's so many contenders for all the belts at the minute like who knows what's going to happen yeah they, I mean I'd quite like them to do that to um, have a kind of quick a quick sort of uh, rematch and may, maybe it is for the title but maybe Cage just dumps it in the trash or something like that um and then you know get into the you know the promo the a program with with Miro as you say I don't know if they've got enough time to build that but it'll be it'll be interesting to see so next up we had um a backstage segment with the elite so we join them on uh, or the super elite or whatever you want to call them we join them on on all of them pretending that Carl Anderson's been spinning a basketball in his finger for over 2000 rotations um doc gallows says that uh you know they the dark order are going to challenge them for the impact tag titles they're happy to do that they'll take them out you know they don't see them as a big uh, much of a threat uh, Nick Jackson starts saying, "Is there no one left?" in a, in an accent, and Brandon Cutler asks him if if that's a if that's a line from Troy, um, to which everyone tells him to shut up. Uh, Matt Jackson um, says that there is, you know, says I'll answer that question, Nick. There is no one left uh, to challenge them. You know, they've beaten everybody, um, and the you know. Oh, sorry. And then it was Kenny. Kenny got on and said about uh, started talking about the Hangman not getting a shot. Basically saying boo-hoo, the fans don't get the main event they wanted, trolling people because they know that's obviously the the one everyone wanted for all out. And then there's you know news coming out that Hangman's not working it. Um, but uh, then they cut down the net because uh, they're they're the retiring champs because they've got no one else to face. Um, so it's obviously a thing they do in in NBA is cut down the net. Uh, Jack, big fan of the elite, the super elite, aren't you? So why don't you weigh in on this? Um, this arguably my favourite segment of the night. I mean, another segment involving them later was also fantastic, but this was this is start, starting straight from the beginning with the um, the basketball trick thing. This was just so funny, wasn't it? They're just honestly, I feel like I, I hate constantly complimenting them because there's so many, you know, talented because they're people. Scum. Yeah, but no, but there's so many talented people in AEW that you know that we talk about on this show. But week after week, they're our highlight. I, I look forward to obviously you know watching their bits, and this was hilarious. They they seem to nail everything. They they nail. Well, they nailed that all the all the basketball shots were in this time. Like yeah. I'm, I'm wondering that if they missed, they'd have to reshoot this whole thing. And like, I mean, Carl Anderson really can. But I mean, he didn't obviously didn't do too well. We don't have proof. He may have done over two thousand rotations, but um, you know, they were or two thousand seconds, whatever. But that you know, he really was spinning that on his finger. And then they were, you know, I think um, 
I don't know if it was Nick shot from behind the net and it went in and Kenny Kenny took a couple of shots. They both went in and then when he said, you know, the only one that missed was the one he said was going to miss. He was saying about Hangman when when you finally got the opportunity, oh, you blew it. And and then when it when it missed and rebounded, Matt caught it perfectly. Like they're just so cool. They're just yeah, it's such a they're they're great. They're great because you know you hate them but you you love to watch them. They're funny but they make you pissed off and they just. They do it so well, and they know they do it well, and that's why, you know, this is arguably, yeah, as you said, the best part of Dynamite, um, and it always is. They they hit it every time, um, you know, hit it out of the park, home run. Um, yeah, there's... It's, it's, it's a shame, you know, Hangman didn't get a shot, but we're happy of it on this podcast because we, we wanted it to last a bit longer, and it is. Um, I, don't, I know we can't speak for all fans, but hopefully, you know, people realise how much better it'll be. Um, you know, it'll be all sweeter when he does win. Um, and yeah, obviously now it's who, who's the next challenger. I hope they don't, you know, build Hangman back up just to have him all out again. I hope it's a bit longer, but I feel like maybe they will. Um, but we'll see. But in terms of just reviewing this segment, great stuff. Thoroughly enjoyed. So what I will ask you as a follow-up question is, does... Uh, Uno and Grayson getting a shot of the Impact titles kind of take anything away from the, you know, the gravitas of them losing the the shot of the AEW uh, tag team titles. Because I mean, it's all very well and good for us to say, oh yeah, but the AEW ones are the big ones. That's why they're still sad. But you know, that's that's definitely not how Impact want. Even if it's true, that's not how Impact as part of this partnership want us want us to see it. They want us to see the Impact titles as a as a big prize. You know that that you want to get to. So does it kind of take away a little bit? from the whole them losing their title shot if they're just going to be handed uh, another title shot at another tag team in the elite it does but maybe you could look at the other way being cocky you know like i get exactly what you mean and i i 100 agree with what you say but maybe they're the only way i can defend it would then be like oh like being cocky you know oh, it was going to be against them like you're still not going to win you like all the shots like they'll constantly blow or something it's the only take i can take um from that but no you are right it does uh, it does devalue the match a little bit but not not too much still especially seen as it's taken place on dynamite and not on impact yeah so it's like they they got a shot at tag team titles anyway so it's it it kind of doesn't feel as much like hangman let down his friends as he's feeling he did no no, i do agree um i can't really argue it (laughs) next up we had christian cage versus the blade so um it almost rhymes doesn't it i keep i keep trying to make it rhyme but it doesn't (laughs) so uh christian kind of started out by running out and brawling onto the ramp. But obviously, we don't have my play-by-plays anymore, but I am going to start off on this one and just talk about a few things from the match. That So, yeah, one big thing that I noticed from this was that JR said uh, Christian Christian Cage would never put his hands on a woman when he faced off with the bunny, when the blade went to run around behind him trying to get the jump on him, but Christian was too quick for him. I'm almost positive that Christian and Lita have faced each other in the match before um, in a match where uh, with Christian... Uh, Edge and Rhino against um, the Hardy Boys and Lita because I specifically remember they used to do the thing where they would suplex they and, and they would add another person to the suplex and they'd do like a three-person suplex or something so I'm, I'm pretty sure Christian Cage has laid his hands on a woman in his career uh, but getting on with the match um, Bunny tries to get involved but Layla Hirsch comes out to equalise 
Um, and uh, yeah, no, it was it was it was a good match. I I quite I quite enjoyed it. Obviously, we'll come back to Layla Hirsch's interruption, if you will, or kind of equalization later. Um, but I mean, I say it was good. I don't know how I felt about this match, honestly. Um, it, I wasn't that invested in it. It's very hard to be invested in uh, um, this this whole Blade storyline at the moment. Jack, I don't know. I, I think I already know that you agree with me, but, you know, weigh in, please. See, I didn't think it was a great match. It was average. It, was, it just was what it was. However, as much as I'm not invested in this Blade storyline, I can't help but, you know, like what he's doing in the fact of, you know, He's putting over quite a lot of people. Um, I mean, Christian Cage doesn't need putting over, does he? No, but it's that him and Bunny would be doing very similar stuff. I know, obviously, it's because, you know, they keep on coming out together and that, but Bunny is the female version of Blades in the moment in terms of the, you know, the women's roster. Constantly, Enhancement talent. Yeah, but, like, he keeps on getting good matches out of people. Like, I, I mean, it's not great matches, but... They're they're all right. Like he's, you wouldn't watch the blade match like a blade match and think he's not a good wrestler. Do you know what I mean? He is a good wrestler, and it's just it just does nothing for me. There's no spark. Although what you're saying about you know it was interesting stuff he's doing. Like I did quite like where he distracted Rick Knox by trying to take off the turnbuckle, but that wasn't actually his ultimate goal. You know, and while yeah. Rick Knox was trying to put it back on, he went and grabbed his his brass his signature brass knuckles, um, but. Uh, yeah, no, there was a couple of nice spots in it. There was there was a spot where um, Christian Cage jumped over the ring post to the outside. I think I don't know if it was like a a crossbody or an axe handle or something like was that. Was that when then the crowd started going, "You still got it"? Yeah, it's like how insulting is that? Because he's yeah. of course he still got it. He's been back <laughs> for fucking ages. He's been wrestling weekly. What are you talking about? Like this was something to chant back when he made his debut again after seven that's years. Like not an, like that's when like he's, an Austin gun chant. <laughs> not like not like when he's established star again. But yeah, um, Christian Christian seemed very aggressive in this match. He did. He went up to the turnbuckle to do the old ten punches, and he actually turned it into fifteen punches, if I remember correctly. But. Um, yeah, no, um, it was fine. Christian got the win in the end with a spear. Um, it, it was, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't bad. I, I, mean, I agree with you. Um, Liam, do you have anything to add? Uh, oh, I, like I said, the match is late to good wrestler. The match was well average, but as Jack said previously, slow, slow, slow the buy on it. To be honest, I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I do really miss the butcher. Uh, Andy Williams, every time I die, a brilliant band. Shout out to Molly, because they're one of her favourite bands as well. Well, surely you shouldn't miss him then, because is he is he not... Is that what he's doing at the moment? Is he with the, with the band, or...? Uh, no, I thought he was injured, to be honest. Ah, true. Well, should be taking this time to be with the band, surely. Maybe they should be recording new stuff or setting up a... I don't know if they can tour at the moment. I don't know uh, what the deal is COVID-wise, but yeah. Oh, well, I miss him too. I, I agree. He is the more promising of the two. He just has such a unique look. And um, I remember uh, there was a tag team battle royale where he kind of really stood out. I think the Blade got eliminated quite early and he was solo for quite a while. Uh, and he just looked really, really good. And yeah, um, we miss you, Butcher. Get well soon if you are injured and not touring. <laughs> Next up, we had uh, a little promo 
from Santana Ortiz and Dax the Axe. Um, Santana Ortiz say, you know, you shouldn't have come into this. You know, when when you go into a match like this, you know, you expect to get scarred. You know, you might not walk out of it. Um, they reiterate that uh, they said they'd leave scars on uh, on on FTR, and they did. So you know, it's like don't blame us. Um, Dax gives quite an impassioned promo about how he almost saw Cash die because um, he like sliced his arm open, could have bled out. Um, and uh, yeah, Dax says basically says it's not over. They're going to go for one more one more time. Um, I think that's the right call, Jack, to uh, give this match the time it deserves. You know, obviously it got cut short last time because of a horrible injury. Yeah, I, I do. And I think this is a way of not making it go for that free match, like, count, do you know what I mean? Um, because the first They could have it all out now. Exactly. They could build it up to all out and have a proper one. And I think it'll be I th- justice for that match because... I think it could have been a lot more, obviously, without the injury. So all else, their chance to prove what they've really got and to set Santana Ortiz really up in the title picture, which I know they don't need setting up, but that's where I think they're destined for next. I think they made a mistake by not just calling that match off during it because I think it would have... They've kind of set a weird standard now with Dax essentially beating them in a handicap match after Cash was eliminated. And now it feels like maybe they'd change the result and have uh, Santana Ortiz be the winners if they have the match at all out. And it's like, it's like you've already kind of set the standard that Dax can beat you two on one because of how they rushed the finish to that match and obviously went for the original finish of FTR winning, um, when I think it maybe either would have been better to change it on the fly, have Santana Ortiz win, or um, or just, just have the ref throw up the X and legitimately call it off. And, uh, you know, I, I just... I, I feel like... I don't know. Do you, I feel like it's kind of a rock and a hard place. I feel like if they, they're going to want to not be predictable and just do the same match again, um, which is when FTR would win... But at the same, and, and they don't want to. They're not going to want to bury Santana Ortiz by having them lose twice. But at the same time, it's not going to feel too realistic if Santana Ortiz win now when they couldn't. They couldn't beat him two on one, don't you think? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't envy um, the booking because, and this is the problem we've had really with the whole pinnacle in a circle feud is anyone could beat anyone in that feud, and it's like someone's got to take the L. Do you know what I mean? Someone's got to. Um, lose and both of these I think could really suffer um, if they take a loss so it'll be interesting to see how it goes um, but in, I want Santana Ortiz to come out of this as you know being the winners because I think you've got to boost that future but then but I've, I feel I feel like FTR feel quite sympathetic now because uh, how Dax had that kind of cash obviously notable by his absence in this promo Dax you know was speaking from the heart about you know how they hurt hurt his friend, his best friend. Like they kind of feel. I won't. I'm not going. I'm not going to go far as to say the face in the feud, but they certainly feel like I could get behind them a lot more. Which you know. Yeah, definitely, and it adds just that little bit more value to the match and a bit more emotional investment because of because of what happened. So I mean, if there's any sort of positive to come out of it, that's sort of it because the the storyline will thrive off of what happened. Really, I know it sounds so bad with what happened, and you know. Hope cash. No, it's it. true. It's but true. It, it, it's true. I mean, see it as a blessing because when it comes to all out, there's that little bit more intensity to the feud, which it will, you know, benefit from. I mean, they 
people have been known to work deaths into wrestling angles, let alone injury. Injuries is just injuries is commonplace. Death a little bit like uh, Paul Bearer's death in the um. God, <laughs> Jack, I don't know if you were watching back then. Liam will instantly know what I'm talking about, but um, the CM Punk. Um, Undertaker feud, WrestleMania feud. <laughs> Paul Bearer, uh, Undertaker's longtime manager, had recently died, and they, they had an angle where CM Punk got his urn and poured his ashes all over himself, <laughs> like Jesus. showered himself in his ashes. <laughs> but the thing is, I think a lot of these guys. There was like there was there was stuff like um, Batista when he had a, a thing where he, he had a rivalry with Rey Mysterio, and Rey was basically like, "What would Eddie think?" And Batista like, "Eddie's dead." So, um, but I think, I th honestly think most wrestlers who have such a passion for the business or personalities who have a passion for the business like Eddie Guerrero and Paul Bearer probably would want their deaths used in an angle. It's sort of like, it reminds me, kind of reminds me of Danny DeVito in Always Sunny. I feel like they're just going to keep making, because that show's been going so long, I feel like they're going to keep making seasons until Danny DeVito dies and then they're just going to have like... You know, his character in the show has been talked about how he wants to be just, just throw me in the trash when I die. I think they could make a, you know, they could do the last season, make a hilarious episode out of um, his funeral. And I think that's what he'd want. So it's like, um, it's it sort of reminds me of that with wrestling. But yeah, if they can do that with deaths, they can surely do it with um, with injuries. Next up, we had Tony Schiavone interviewing Britt Baker, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, put some respect on the name. So, uh, before she can really get going, uh, Red Velvet interrupts. And uh, first off, trashes Britt Baker's fashion sense, tells her red isn't her colour. I mean, I know that's a reference to her name, but I thought I thought Britt looked fantastic, if I do say so myself. Match right, <laughs> um, You simp. <laughs> yep. we, should, we should all be simping for Britt. Uh, I mean, listen to the cheers she gets when she's a heel, you know? Um, she cannot make people boo her. Uh, Britt <laughs> reminds... Uh, Velvet that she beat her in three minutes. Big pop from the crowd to that. Velvet says, oh, "I'm not, you know, I'm not that person anymore. Check my record. It's like I don't know, fourteen and two or something like that." Um, and the match gets set. Uh, a rebel tries to attack um, Velvet from behind. Uh, Velvet fights back, but then Brit obviously gets the jump on her, curb stomps her, and then starts attacking her with the crutch. We came to you on the last one, Jack, and we can't always come to you on Britt Baker segments just because you, sir, are the simp, not me. So, uh, Liam, give us give us your thoughts on this one. And uh, are you excited for this match? I mean, I personally am quite a big Red Velvet fan. I don't think there's been any build-up whatsoever to this, but, you know, I don't know. How do you feel? Uh, honestly, when Red Velvet said about how many wings she's got. My first thought was, wait, she's been winning matches purely because I don't watch Dark or Dark Elevation. So sorry about that, Red Velvet. Uh, the match, I'm going to be honest, I'm not excited for because I already know who's going to win, so I don't really have a reason to this care is, about this, it. This was the problem with the Miro match from this tonight, really, wasn't it? Like, they've, they've been having matches that I wouldn't say could necessarily go either way recently on the road, but definitely a lot closer than Miro versus Lee Johnson or Britt Baker versus Red Velvet, you know? Um, or, or, for that matter, the, the six-man tag. So, I don't know, it, it must be a Daly's Place thing, but... Uh, what about the promo itself? Um, you know, did 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 you take? Did you have any notes? Did you pick up anything uh, from Red Velvet's mic skills? And and how how good or bad is Brit's fashion sense? Is red her color? This is the question everyone wants to ask answered. 
Yeah, sorry if I keep on moving away from the camera. I know this is a podcast, so people won't actually see that other than YouTube. But my cat's currently biting my foot, so he's being a real dickhead at the minute. I do have some notes about this. Uh, and also, sorry Molly, but Britt Baker looks fantastic, as she always does. Uh, she does look fantastic. Basically, the best way I can put it is that it was it's fine for what it was, but did this need to have like a big like, promo segment? Could this have just been something that was done backstage or, you know, something like that? And, like, I completely Brit, agree, because Brit actually didn't get any words in before Velvet came out, did she? So. That's what I mean. Brit didn't really add anything new because, well, she didn't really say anything at all. And, like, Velvet was just usual. Obviously, she's still quite new and she seemed a bit timid, but, like I said, she's new. She hasn't really been cutting promos on the big stage, quote-unquote, for that long. And we... The match itself will be a big deal next week at Rampage, but that's only because it's in Britt Baker's hometown. But if this was just in, like, somewhere else, like, I don't know, Lincoln or Blackpool, fuck it, who cares, then I doubt people would really give a fuck, let's be honest. If AEW ever run a televised event from Lincoln, um, I think I think they're in serious trouble. <laughs> um, Red, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Red Velvet. I mean, I, I think she's very green, but I think she so, shows so much promise. So I'm, I'm looking forward. I, I, I agree with you. The match, as a, as a match, is like, eh. but especially as a title match. But I am looking forward to seeing how much she's developed since we last saw her on on telly. Next up, Dasha Gonzalez back on interview duties again, uh, talking to, again, Andrade backstage. Uh, Chavo has, uh, says, tells, tells Andrade that he's recruited Fuego del Sol. Fuego del Sol refuses uh, to shine Andrade's shoes. Apparently, that's what he's been recruited for. And, uh, you know, suffers a, a beatdown at their hands. So, I don't know who wants to talk about this, because... Um, it's obviously just a quick one, so it'll just be one of you. Um, Jack, you obviously talked about the the Death Triangle thing earlier, so maybe I'll come to Liam. And I, I know I'm, I'm going away on you, all, all your favourites. Another Fuego, you like Fuego Del Sol, don't you, Jack? But um, Liam, what were you? What? What? Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm coming to you, so you can kind of give your give your take on the whole angle with uh, Death Triangle as well. And um, this. Fuego del Sol can't catch a break. It feels like his new his gimmick is sort of just getting the shit kicked out of him weekly on Dynamite. Uh, you know, last week he um, ate, I don't know what they've called it yet, uh, but um, Malachi Black's finisher, and I think he took took a move the week before. Um, yeah, is this going to become a regular thing? Uh, it could be. I mean, it'd be a way to get Fuego del Sol over, but, I mean, to be fair, I don't know what Andrade gained from doing what he did to Fuego Del Sol from this, like, you know, it doesn't up his standing to me. I'm telling you it's sexual. I'm telling you it's all sexual. Okay, then, well, I look forward to where that gimmick is going, definitely. Uh, I mean, to be fair, like I said, I'm excited for the matches that we're bound to get at some point with Andrade and Death Triangle, but do you both think that Andrade is going to have actual backup for a three-on-three match, however that may be, or do you think that we're just going to get three individual one-on-one matches? Asking me the questions. Who's the lead host here? Um, yeah, I, I could, I could see a, um, 
I could definitely see him getting back up. I, I feel I feel that's inevitable. Who it's going to be, I don't know whether it's going to be debuts or whether it's going to, or whether he's going to bring in a couple of other luchadors or people from his past, you know, as um, in uh, Los Ingobernables or something. Um, I could see that happening. I could I could see Death Triangle, sorry, not Death Triangle, Lucha Brothers joining him eventually. Um, it would certainly set up the pack push to title level that we've all been waiting for. I just I just feel bad for pack. It just feels like a weird gimmick. Um, but yeah, who knows? We might see the uh, a new incarnation, a new a new kind of faction, or you know, Los Ingobernables 2.0 with uh, led by Andrade. You never know because you know we got to keep that in the back of your mind when Andrade's trying to trying to form a faction, surely. And we've got. Um, triple mania against Kenny uh, to factor into this as well so definitely going to be some crossover with triple A I think next up we had well this is a segment of the night so I'll come to both of you on this Hangman Page was being interviewed in the ring I think it was Tony doing it but uh, in in typical AEW fashion just like the previous segment before he even gets a couple of words and he's cut off um, which I suppose is good but it's kind of becoming a meme at this point uh, Sting was obviously the uh, the biggest recipient of the of the two words and gets cut off, but uh, yeah, the elite cut him off. Hangman tries to talk to the Bucks, says there's been someone I've been wanting to say to you. I thought he was going to apologize for uh, how he behaved in their feud when he was tagging with Kenny, but before he can say anything to the Bucks, Kenny speaks up, says I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to make new friends, um, and says the elite have thought thought about quote unquote forgiving him, but. Uh, you know, Hangman just doesn't fit anymore. He's a loser. Uh, he's he's not good enough. Um, at this, Hangman obviously loses his cool, attacks Kenny, and gets beat down. Beat the F down. The Dark Order uh, predictably come to try and save him, but Uno and Grayson stop everyone coming out. It's uh, it's talking about like what happened earlier, where um, where Hangman said, "You got to let me do this on my own." So. You know, Uno and Grayson are heartbreakingly telling the other members of the uh, of the of the Dark Order, specifically it seemed um, Alan Five Angels and uh, Johnny Hungy, that uh, no, let, leave him be. This is what he wanted. Um, we've got to we've got to respect his decision and not help him out. Uh, Hangman takes uh, a magic killer from the Good Brothers. And then it takes three BTE triggers before the elite hunter, Frankie Kazarian, who did not get the memo and does not care about letting Hangman do things on his own. Uh, loved, loved it, by the way. Comes in to try and make the save. Um, also gets beaten down. And Kenny says, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you exactly what you want. You can take one last look at, you know, what you're after, what you'll never get. And twats him between the eyes between uh, with the AEW World Championship I mean segment of the nights I think I'll come to you Jack what were your thoughts on this yeah emotional stuff really good um, yeah really, really liked you know that um, but obviously you know as you said Hangman coming out to apologise and um, you know the beat down and Dark Order the main bit for me the main take was Dark Order coming out and Stu Grace and Evil Uno trying to push him away I thought that was really good because there's going to be you know some sort of discussions in the Dark Order like why why couldn't we save and like all this kind of pulling Evil away wanting to help wanting to let him do his own thing um, which is actually doing the best thing for their friend 
Um, what would Hangman have appreciated? Would he? Well, I bet when he was getting beat down, he probably could have fancied the help in the end. So I'd take it all back. <laughs> Come and save me. Freeze frame. It was at this moment that a Hangman knew he fucked up. <laughs> but um, but no, that the only other thing I really want to mention, other than obviously saying that that was incredible stuff, um, was obviously Frankie. I feel sorry for Frankie Sarin and the fact that that guy could not get a win at the moment can he out of the elite anytime he has a face up with someone pretty elite it's always always now i know he um appeared on impact last week so whether maybe um in his match over there i think they've got who's they kenny good brothers versus i think it's frankie um sammy and eddie edwards i think is tonight so that'll be an interesting match to see whether they get a win over there um but no i think oh, yeah. i think um frankie Kazarian has to have a win eventually, whoever against, um, because otherwise this gimmick will die quite soon because there's only so many times you can come out, save someone. Well, we said he then... could have easily got the win over Doc Gallows and it not have affected, yeah. have any negative effect on the elite, really. No, that's it. Because so... you can you can play it off as Doc's a tag team wrestler. So, of course, exactly. it's single, you know. Um, but it'll be interesting. But in terms of the segment, um, A star, A, great stuff. Really thoroughly enjoyed it. Eight or nine, uh, maybe even ten out of ten stuff. Yeah, loved it. Frankie Kazarian fights how I fight, which is just getting the shit kicked out of me, but keep getting back up, back on up. Do you remember when I got that in that fight with that army sergeant when I got kicked out of the flat above Ladbrokes? Um, also, I've got to send Liam that video <laughs> of you getting hit with a cricket bat. Let me go find that now. Fantastic stuff. Losing my moral authority on this uh, on this podcast, uh, Liam. Please, please let us know. We're we're dying for your hot take on this segment. Sorry, I was listening. It's just I have a very needy cat. Uh, right, uh, my opinions on the segment. I thought it was, well, it, best best of the night, best thing on the show for me. Even more than the main event, and that has very high praise to it. If you can hear any rustling, that's my cat getting into a cardboard box. So I'm sorry in advance. Uh, fuck's sake, Ollie. But yeah, back, back to wait, 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 wait. What's your cat's name? Ollie. Your cat's name is Ollie, and your girlfriend's yes. name is Molly. Yes. <laughs> Just gonna let that sit for a while. Um, you yeah, can carry, carry on to carry on talking about the the segment. Sorry. I mean, to carry on being the ultimate emo, I named my cat after Ollie Sykes from Bring Me the Horizon, which I'm sure Jack will find very, very amusing, as the grieve he is. But to carry, actually keep this podcast back on track, because we're not talking about hot tubs this week, uh, like I said, this was easily my the best thing on the entire night for me. Um, I love the storytelling behind it, of obviously the main two of the Dark Order telling the rest, no, don't go and help him, and forcing the rest to go back, which my cat's just jumped on, jumped on the desk. Fuck, fuck it up. But, yeah, uh, can, can I just turn this podcast into me talking about my cat? I've I will got... give you one minute at the end of the show to talk about all the things that make your cat great. Okay, provided yeah. You, provided you don't let him derail the show from, from, from now until then. <laughs> You're on. It's a deal. Um, I'll struggle to fit you on to a minute, but I will try my best. Uh, but, yeah, carrying on back to the point, uh, it was easily the best thing on the show for me, as I've said, it was time to have because I went off track. Uh, I like the whole, obviously, uh, the League is like a dark order, stoppingly I don't say understudies because of a group but you know what I mean that itself was obviously a really nice touch I really liked it it was the main two focal points of the Dark Order that told the best no 
well, as well. Well, it, it hit those it hit those kind of emotional notes that they were probably going for with well, they were going for with um, uh, what's his uh, God, why have I forgotten? Eddie Kingston trying to save John Moxley in that Revolution match that. Uh, with the sparklers in the end that obviously took away all the emotional weight from it. It wasn't quite as emotional as that. That, that for me, that really punked me out. I know it was so long ago, but I swear I was on the verge of tears watching that. And then with the sparklers, I was like, I can't believe they nearly made me cry. And, uh, or I was, I had my, I had my eyes welling up and I had my hands on my face. I was like, you've made me look like a right mug. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's something AEW does well is hitting those emotional notes. And I think that's what they were, they were going for. I mean, for, yeah. t- to be fair, and I think it's obviously with how the result last week went, I didn't think they'd be carrying on this feud or teasing what they have done like so soon because you think with what the result was last week it put the like put the brakes on us getting Hangman versus Kenny anytime soon. So the fact that they're still having Hangman feud with the Dark Order, or feud with the Dark Order, feud with the uh, Super Elite as well, I did think that was really interesting and unexpected. But I thought they'd just not have Hangman on the show for a few weeks and then maybe he'd come back and do something with someone else. So it did really take me by surprise, to be honest. Well, I, th- I do think uh, Kenny is going to um, move on to someone else first, but because uh, obviously we pretty much get confirmation of that later in the night. But um, I think obviously Hangman could get involved in that angle, um, although we already have an elite hunter. So it's just in- it's going to be interesting to see where it goes anyway. James cut out my paper rustling and come back in three, two, one. Next up, we had Dan Lambert, uh, the the fella, the MMA trainer. Weirdly good promo a few weeks ago. Um, I this confuses the fuck out of me because do you remember that? Pro- do you remember how good that promo was? Do you do you remember like he was basically basically being Jim Cornette on um, on 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 uh, AEW telly. Um, he obviously came out and was basically shitting on the current product. Uh, but yeah, he, he's back anyway. And he says the truth hurts and he's going to finish uh, telling it next week. Um, obviously, this truth about how mu- his truth about how much the current product sucks and how he misses the old days of Nick Bockwinkle and blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, uh, but he's also bringing backup, which I assume will be in the form of some MMA stars. Jack, I, I don't hate it, but I don't, I don't know. I'm so this confused. This is so confusing. This is so, so confusing because this guy was really good on the mic, and I do think he is. He is involved in wrestling, isn't he? He's been. In, I don't know if it was MLW or he's been involved in another promotion. He was fire on the mic, but it's so random. It's so random that this guy just wants to... They're just letting this guy come in just to trash the product on telly. It's like, what are your credentials for being here? It's so weird. Honestly, and I don't want to linger on it too long because I know there's a lot more to talk about about this episode. But now, the, the one word to sum it up, random. Just just random. Because but That's the thing. I don't think it's bad just because I know how fire he was on the, in that promo. Yeah. But when I was watching it, I was like, what the fuck is going on? I was like... <laughs> This is really good, but that just makes it weirder. <laughs> oh, yeah, we won't linger on it, but um, I don't know. Your your guess is as good as mine. Who, who who will come with him? I'm not a big follower of MMA. I don't know if you are, Liam. You could uh, give us some insight. Uh, no, I'm not really a big follower of MMA, but I do know that he previously worked for Impact. 
So ah, so it might not be MMA people he's bringing with him. It might be Impact people. Oh, that's a shout. I didn't even think of that. Well done. I thought that's uh, what you were suggesting. No, no, it wasn't. I was just. I know you mentioned he worked for a promotion, so I thought I best t- say what it is. But ah, yeah, uh, I'm because obviously he brought MMA people with masks on, but they stayed in the crowd. And I can't remember what names it was, but one of them was I'd, really big, and I've forgotten who they were. I think it was. was they're it, all really Am- big. Amanda, was it? Was it? Was it Nunez? I think it was Nunez. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think I think it was actually that name does ring a bell, but obviously this guy, the promo he cut, obviously a few weeks ago, a month ago, whenever it was, it just screamed what Jim Cornette says on his terrible podcast every week. <laughs> so I'm excited to see more of that, and hopefully someone come out and just beat the fuck out of this guy again. Next up, we had the title match, the only title match of the evening: Miro versus Big Shotty as. Uh, JR likes to affectionately call him, even though I do believe that is his nickname. Uh, Lee Johnson. Um, I mean, I I thought this was I thought this was fine. Um, I just this was just one of these ones that never planted a seed of doubt in my mind, and that's something they've got to work towards in these matches. Um, Liam, what were you what what did you take from this? I'm gonna be honest, I wasn't really that invested in this because obviously we've got to say about a similar to the Brit Baker match, like. I already know who's going to win, so it isn't really getting my full attention. But considering I wasn't that into it, I thought that they basically they gave Lee Johnson a lot of credit and they gave him a lot more offence and a lot more of a chance than they ever could against, well, a person of like Miro's stature. So fair play to AEW for continuing to build the younger talent and trying to get put them over and get them over. Provided that Cody's trained them, of course. <laughs> no, but uh, no, I, a couple of things I did want to point out from this is, um, well, they, they had Lee escaping the finisher and almost escaping it a second time. I'm not sure. What, what's his, is it called the Redeemer or something? His um, submission? Anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, there was, there was one thing that I want to pick up that other people may not have you know, written down on your notes is there was an amazing sell from Miro for me, which was when uh, he ate like, I think, I think it was like a tornado DDT or something uh, from Lee Johnson and he popped right back up and it was like, okay, he's absorbed that and it did nothing to him. And then it had like a delayed onset and he acted like he was concussed from it like a few seconds after. I don't know whether you noticed that, but um, I, I thought that was great. That was one of the best sells I've seen recently. And you know, Miro is a real talent. Uh, there was there was there was a moment also towards the end of the match, and this is I want to kind of compliment the match in this in this sense, in that Lee Miro was on the outside and Lee was obviously just trying to wear Miro down because he's this big guy. Um, he did two topes and they did a tope con hello, um, and Miro looked like he was supposed to catch him like in a powerbomb position and maybe power powerbomb him onto the apron or something, but I based on where it went from there with Lee Johnson staying in control for a little while, I genuinely wasn't sure whether it was a botch or not. And that's, that's good thinking on the fly. If it was to make, to make it so that if it was a botch, you, you generally can't tell. And that's, you know, that means a botch doesn't really matter. If you can, if you can kind of, if you're the, what you do next kind of calls, calls its uh, status as a botch into question. The ending was a bit abrupt for me. I was a little bit disappointed with how quickly that came and how little kind of, uh, action that was leading up to it but um, other than that I reiterate what you say about yeah it's good to see them putting over young talent uh, but I especially wasn't invested in this uh, at all because 
as we've we've talked about numerous times, even on the matches you know the outcome going in, their job is to uh, make you doubt it. I think this one was just so one-sided that they were never going to be able to do that. Um, and and that's what squash matches are, are, are meant for. But obviously they're using this to to put Lee over. So, you know, it's what it is. Next up, we had... Well, actually, next up was a quick announcement, and I'm going to be super quick about this because uh, we're pushed for time. But Taz, Excalibur, Jericho, and Mark Henry are the announced team for Rampage. Jack, is four announcers too many uh, if this is going to be the regular team? It is if it's an hour show. Surely that right? is. Like, they've only got three for a two-hour show, and they managed to... What I do like, though, is Excalibur and Taz have been hilarious on dark commentary. Um, Chris Jericho, everyone loved on commentary. Um I don't know why Jericho's on commentary. I would have Taz, Excalibur, and Mark Henry if they want to add someone new. Um, I don't know why Jericho's there, but maybe is that is that for every week? Did they say or just for next they, week? They, they, I mean, it might just be for next week. But the way they said it, it seemed to me they like they were saying like they, they're that's going to be the uh, you know they were talking about Friday nights plural uh, yeah. that to- Tony and uh, Tony and. Uh, JR will be able to take off though Tony said he might he will actually be there holding a mic or two yeah. uh, like doing interviews so yeah no, I mean weird. obviously obviously Mark Henry they've got to utilize so he, he he had to be in there but yeah no I think I think it's I think it's too many I think you uh, definitely have Mark Henry and um, Excalibur and it. it's just you have to have Excalibur out. because and well unless Mark Henry is a super good play-by-play guy and we just don't yeah. know it because they uh, Excalibur needs to be on everything because he's their only decent play-by-play guy mm-hmm. to keep the keep the action on track you know the only thing Taz and um, Jericho are both comedy guys and I feel like It'll be interesting to see they only need one of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I might have disagreed with you about which one it should be, but I've heard good things about Taz on Dark. Oh, he's hilarious. So, so yeah, exactly. You're probably coming from. It's it basically be a, bit... a comedy show now. Dark. It's so good. <laughs> he's going to be have to be a bit more professional. Surely, yeah, definitely. On, um, network television. Next up, it was Tony Schiavone talking to Christian Cage. Uh, Christian uh, Christian is now the number one contender for Kenny Omega's World Heavyweight title. Seen that coming for a while, to be honest. I'm quite happy about it. Um, he still, Christian still hasn't blown me away with any of, the, any of his matches. So I'm hoping... Uh, well, I'm confident that him and Kenny will have a good one. Um, he uh, he said that he offered to help Layla, because she Layla Hirsch and her match coming up, because Layla Hirsch helped him in his. Um, but uh, then there was a really weird bit where he started singing, Thank You for Being a Friend. <laughs> Um, I don't know if it's Christian. Christian's his typical kind of goofy comedy that he used to, you know, play off edge. Um, I'm not sure if this one really landed. It just was a bit bizarre. But uh, yeah, she he said that Layla said, told him that she didn't need a friend because she had best friends. And we will see in a minute that best friends are going to come out with him. Quickly, Liam, give me your... Uh, your Oh, actually, no, sorry. There was There was one more bit, which was he said that he is a really good shit stirrer. He's always been a good shit stirrer. Some might say an elite shit stirrer. So the uh, implication is that he might be stirring some shit with the elite. Next over the next couple of weeks he mentioned um he mentioned Dynamite, the upcoming Dynamite and Rampage. Um maybe we could see a six man tag involving Hangman and uh Kazarian and Christian Cage. Um especially if he is Kenny Omega's next next opponent. What what do you make of that as an opponent and can you make any sense of his weird singing uh weird singing no i'm sorry i'm just saying oh yeah i'm singing because i'm in a good mood i was thought i was a bit off 
Uh, I'm going to be honest, I like Christian, but I really hope that this is a red herring for All Out because Christian Cage versus Kenny Omega to me doesn't scream world title at a pay-per-view level match. Like a Dynamite or maybe at a Rampage, like the Chicago Rampage for example, fair enough. But to me it just it doesn't feel like a pay-per-view match. So I obviously, you know, that is the match and obviously I'm, I trust AEW to build a good enough story where I'm genuinely, you know, hyped to see it regardless of whether the outcome is predictable or not. But like I said, it's just, I just can't really, at the minute, you know, I'm just, I'm not hyped for it. I just really hope this isn't what we have come the start of September. Yeah, it's, it's something I want to see in, in in theory. I want to see it, but I want them to, like I said, Christian Cage hasn't really blown me away uh, with his matches so far. And I really do want the kind of grizzled veteran who's still got it going for the title. But yeah, they need to do that. I just, I don't know. They need to do something. Um, but as you say, we'll, we'll see how it pans out. And and as Christian said, he is going to be doing stuff over the next few weeks uh, to to solidify that. So next up, we had the Bunny versus Layla Hirsch. The winner gets a shot at the NWA title. Um, this match started so well for me, and because obviously Bunny is a person that's attracted a lot of criticism for her wrestling, I think she'd been improving, and I thought she was. Uh, you know, she hit a nice backbreaker, um, a really nice front drop kick. It was nice to see Camille at ringside, and it was during this match where we set up the Nyla Rose versus. Um, Chris Statlander, which I thought was a bit weird because they just looked at each other and that was enough to set up a match. But uh, it's like it's like when you see a Pokemon in the wild on Pokemon. It's like, it's looked at me, now we're in a fight. Um, but Bunny, and I cannot stress this enough, cannot take German suplexes. Um, she took two from Layla Hirsch and it was just, oh, it was, it was, I'm, I'm, it was not pretty. Um, also, Layla missed a, a moonsault, which I think, obviously, if Bunny had been... I don't know if it was down to Bunny's ring awareness um, or whether Layla overcooked it or it was just bad communication between them, but she wasn't in the position where I think they probably wanted her to roll away from it and avoid it, and it just looked like Layla just missed it completely, um, which, yeah, um, I, don't, I don't want to just assume it's Bunny's fault because I'm a Layla Hirsch fan, but, yeah... Anyway, Layla ended up winning with a cross-arm breaker. Jack, what were your thoughts on this match? And how can you defend saying this was better than the Chris Jericho Juventud <laughs> Carrera match? Please, I'm so glad I came to you on this one. Um, yeah, okay. Um, so it's only... I don't know. I'm trying to, trying to defend myself. Um, I I thought it was okay match. Um, you know... For for dynamite, maybe not as much. Like maybe it could have been a better dark or dark elevation match. The one thing I did like about it was um a constant kind of you know we say on the podcast they you know struggling to utilize the women all this kind of thing only one match, women's match on the card. This I thought was a nice way after this episode of dynamite to keep a member of the roster busy doing something else. It's one less kind of wrestler to worry about in the fact that now she's NWA kind of, you know, got that on her mind now. So she can, that's a focus. And it's like, she's a good star. She, it's a shame to see her wasted just on dark and dark elevation. So it's nice to have her there. Um, and again, Bunny, just copy and paste what I said about the butcher and not the butcher, the blade. Um, same sort of role here. Just 
each match she's kind of been in has been putting over whoever. Um, it was an all right match. Like, okay, maybe I was a bit harsh straight up with the Grace Jericho one, because, <laughs> but I don't. I still wasn't a massive fan of that one, and this oh, one no. I was a massive fan. I thought it was okay. Um, uh, but, the thing, the thing with the two matches though is you, you made a good point. Both of you said that Chris Jericho versus Hubie started slow, got better, which is surely if if you're gonna have one half be the worst half, that's the way you want to do it. Whereas this match, like I point out, started promising with uh, the bunny showing big signs of improvement with the back break of the front drop kick. There was a superplex thrown in there. And then just it all fell apart with the German suplexes for me. And just, yeah. I mean, the pairing as well, quite weird with her and the best friends. I mean, I know it's... I, yeah, I that doesn't get it, work for me. They're tangentially, whatever you want to call it, I can't pronounce that word, related uh, with the whole you know, enemy of my enemy is my friend sort of thing, but it still felt a bit forced just to get the best friend screen time, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a shame because I even saw like a sign in the crowd saying about it. I can't remember yeah. the exact word, but it was Layla Hirsch and Teen Taz. And that that guy, that guy's, that guy, he, the signs he brought were basically just booking suggestions to Tony Khan because <laughs> there was another and I paused it to see it because it was in such small writing and it was like 2021 wish list Kenny Omega defends against. He literally wrote out like in all four things. He was like, I can't remember the first one. Oh yeah, Hangman Page, Brian Danielson. Um, oh, forget it. Oh, the Rainmaker, and it was he had he had locations on there. He was like he was like Hangman Page at Full Gear, Brian Danielson. I forget where he said it was. I don't know. It was all out also, and it was like it was um it was the Rainmaker at the Garden because I guess he couldn't spell Kazuchika Okada <laughs> or just Okada. Um, and then uh, and then CM Punk in Chicago. Explanation mark. Explanation. It's like he's not even making a point with this other than Tony. This is what I want. All right. I I know that I've been playing. I've been playing Elite. G GM all fucking week. I got this. Just listen, please. Layla Hirsch and Team Taz, please. Yeah. Uh, honestly, but nah, this was all right. But yeah, not much much else to say really, other than Layla needs to get team on Team Taz and not. Um, the only thing I was thinking is maybe if you know Brian Cage now away from Team Taz, whether he sets up his own little group with Layla Hirsch and that, that way you know it's face and not heel. But that's the only thing. Um, but yeah, let's move on. Well quickly before we move on what about that height difference between Camille and Layla Hirsch when they faced off at the end that was, that was funny to be fair but it'll be an interesting match uh, I know, it, not... it just makes me want to watch it I mean I know she's yeah. wearing big, big heels but still Camille is a big a, a tall lady speaking of uh, tall ladies we had a Jay Cargill segment where uh, they addressed the fact that people have been saying why isn't she on TV blah 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 this is Mark Sterling and Jay, Jay Cargill uh and they mentioned, we told you we'd been diversifying. We're, we got our fingers in all these pies and whatnot, but mentioned they're back. And then by back, they don't mean dynamite though. She's, she's going to be on elevation or, uh, I think it was dark elevation. Um, yeah. Uh, Liam, do you, here's the thing. Do you not think this is just what they should have done all along? Cause it feels weird now for them to have built her up to be such a big star on television, on dynamite during the COVID era and now she's going down to uh to to dark elevation surely as a new star who had no matches under her belt she should have just started there and then come up no yeah i completely agree um again i like what they did reference that she's been off tv for a while because i was thinking to myself i haven't seen her in a while but the Problem is, again, she's come back and it's just the same Jade Cargill promo we've had 
every time she was on TV and not wrestling for the last three months before that. So, but I mean, I she's that I don't bitch. feel like I've I don't feel like I've missed anything with her being gone. Like nothing's changed whatsoever. So, should I care that she's back and she's doing it as that same thing she'd done before and done nothing then? Like, should I really be asked? No. I too am not asked. So, um, moving on to our main event of the evening, it was Malachi Black versus Cody Rhodes. Um, nice touch at the beginning. Cody Rhodes gave his his weight belt to uh, a sensory impaired fan at ringside, and they were very grateful. And that was kind of heartwarming. It kind of made made it hard to, hard, but not impossible to hate him because I still do. <laughs> He's made an enemy for life with his uh, American nationalist promo against against Britain. A um, lot of stuff to like about this. It was a short match, obviously, um, shockingly short, which uh, was was quite a nice surprise because it was it was so decisive and so uh, oof, you know, it, it really packed a packed an emotional punch. Um, there was an awesome count. Oh God, sorry. Can I just can I just rant about not rant? What's the opposite of rant? Rave. That's the one about Malachi Black for a second. Um, Jr. alluded to it. Said it, you know I think he said like last week um, he'd love to see uh, Malachi Black's kind of uh, what he can do with more freedom. Uh, his his arsenal, his unrestricted arsenal or whatever. Um, and good lord, I mean he had that. He did that. He did that amazing. Uh, a counter to the crossroads Cody tried to finish it early with the crossroads Malachi Black got the knee right up to his head to knee his way out of the crossroads fantastic then he did that step up kick and it wasn't Enziguri it was more like a step up PK when uh, Cody was on the top rope um, step up kick and then Cody went flying through the um, the, the ring announcers uh, table um, back in the ring um, Malachi hits his finisher I'm not sure what they've decided to call it yet in AEW perhaps one of you can tell me um, but that spinning back kick, um, and it was over. He and he even took some time before pinning him, and then stepped on him. And uh, Jr. seemed to not realize because Jr.'s mentioned how he doesn't like to know the results in advance. Jr. didn't seem to realize it was finisher, and then was <laughs> sounded legit blown away when it happened. Um, obviously, there was some stuff happened after the match, but first I'd like to talk about the match, Jack. Uh, what? How? How did you feel about this? Were you shocked? Were you shooketh? I was actually so happy because I obviously wanted Malachi Black to win. It'd be a bit annoyed now if it goes to all out and obviously Cody wins, which most likely will happen. But I just loved how dominant it was. Like, yeah, like fucking too right. Like this guy, man, like I I think that has an effect now. He's, you know, it. I don't know how to word it, but yeah, it was awesome. And it was exactly what I wanted. Um I did think when I was looking at the time left on Dynamite, I was like, this is a short amount of time to have a big like main event match, but I didn't see it coming. Um, well, it, it went even shorter than that because they obviously they dedicated about half that time that was remaining to, to talking afterwards because Cody gave an impassioned speech, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, but match-wise, loved it. And I never really loved matches that are under five minutes, but this was like the perfect squash. I, I I don't think you need to say any more than that. It was the perfect squash. Um, Liam, do you have any 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 elaborations on the match itself before we talk about the post? Well, first of all, as a fellow Grebe, his entrance theme is absolutely god tier. Uh, I liked the uh, the skull thing that he wore to the ring as well. The one thing that I was, uh, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, I'm really pissed off with what happened post match, but we'll get to that. 
Okay. But the one thing I noticed as well is when... I think when Cody was at the top rope and Black kicked him, there was a bit of a delay, so he literally just looked like Cody just yeah. yeeted himself <laughs> through the table. I know <laughs> the time he wasn't on. I know, <laughs> I know, I noticed, but it was it was so impressive the the kick itself. You have to agree, surely. Yeah, it just made me piss myself laughing. But I think I'm not gonna lie; it would not surprise me if Triple H just got Vince McMahon, got Nick Khan, put this match on for them, and just started banging his head against the wall for the next 15 minutes or 10 minutes or however long the match was. I don't know; I wasn't keeping count. But little segment of the match because the match was under five, I think. What banging banging his head about letting uh, Malachi Black go? Yeah, letting him go because obviously he was groomed for a top role in NXT to obviously go to the main roster, be this top star, and they get to the main roster, they don't know what to do with these people, and they do nothing with them and then fuck them off. And like um, Ali from WrestleTalk, and I believe Tempest from WrestleTalk said this as well, at the minute, AEW doesn't feel like developmental for the main AEW. NXT doesn't feel like developmental for the main roster, it feels like developmental for AEW. And I yeah. do understand what they mean by that. I'm yeah. I just I've never seen. Obviously, I I have seen I have seen him when he was Alistair Black. I may have seen a few matches with him when he was Tommy End in Progress. I can't remember it, but um, I I just yeah. I hadn't seen him for a while, and I've never seen someone impress me so much in so short a time doing so little. It was just everything. He, you know, like I said, the kicks. He's such a good striker, and that's something I I just fucking love my. There was a Reddit census recently. We'll talk about that in a minute because we're going to get everyone who's listening to go say they listen to us on it. But uh, there was a squared circle Reddit with a W census. Um, I put my my favourite wrestler is Mio Yamashita in Tokyo Joshi Pro, who's known as the Pink Striker. She actually has the same finisher as Malachi Black, that spinning back heel kick. But um, I love strikers, man, I love, and he is he is just so good. I just I the more the better. But we will talk about the post-match. So in the post-match, Cody got on the mic. He seemed to be speaking from the heart here, like real words. Um, he talked about how people literally laughed at them. like, And you could tell he meant it because he said they laughed at us. But then he was like, no, literally, they laughed They laughed right at us. Um, he tell, you know, no matter what's happening with the Elite storyline-wise, he'll love those guys. You know, he'll always love those guys. Um mentions how you know obviously very obviously alludes to wwe says you know they're not an alternative they're the competition and he's so right because i honestly think they're going to be beating wwe main roster and ratings uh towards the end of this year um tells the fans how much he loves them starts getting tearful this time it kind of felt a bit more genuine than than uh than it used to though when he kind of tear when he does the cody crying thing which is getting a little bit old um and then he starts unzipping his boots. And, oh, my God, this was shocking. Like, like he was going to retire right there in the ring. Um, mental for me, absolutely mental. But then Black hits him behind with the crutch, which leaves some kind of ambiguity as to whether this is really over, whether Cody is retiring. Jack, I mean, make sense of this, will you? Because this, um, this was a shocker. I don't think I can. I was as shocked as you. I didn't know whether it was a, um, if it was serious. I didn't like, it kind of felt like it was unplanned. I don't know. Like it, it felt so real, which probably what made it better. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how it develops, whether it's like a, um, 
and match it all out. Like if he loses that one, he'll retire and whatever. And whether he'll just keep on teasing. I don't. I hope he doesn't constantly keep trying to like tease retirement or something. Um, because that would get annoying. Because this one generally shocked people. And if he does it more than once or whatever, you'll be like, ah. Oh. But um, but no, this was can't make sense of it to be honest, Tom. Um, it was just very out of nowhere. I know he said he wanted to. He only wanted to wrestle till he was forty. Um, and he is, as I quickly Google search, thirty six. So four more years. So it's definitely soon. Whether I don't know, having a kid made him think, or I, I, I don't know. But yeah, very, very strange. It's ironic that it's four more years, which is what they chant for presidents when it's uh, when when it's he's this he had this American. Now I see. I want. I want to see the Homelander gimmick evolve. Do you know what I mean? Just so do I. It. So do um, I. Just do it. <laughs> just, just do it, Shia LaBeouf. Um, yeah, uh, love to end on a negative here at WNK. But Liam, you had some uh, some beef with what happened afterwards. Would you like to share it with the rest? Would you like to share it with the class? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm gonna be honest. One thing that I'd love if it is for it to just be a running thing that. Every time Cody Rhodes tries to retire, Malachi Black's just there to beat the shit out of him to stop him from doing it. Let's have it 30 or 40 years down the line and Malachi Black's just there in fucking Zimmer frame. They're just beating Cody to a pulp of it to make sure he still wrestles. But yeah, the thing that I didn't like about this was... The, I think... Well, I know that Ollie's so similar in the WrestleTalk video earlier, but I feel like this took away from Black's big moment. Like, most people aren't talking about... Cody got squashed in five minutes, which admittedly is probably just to go film Go Big Show Tube or whatever it's called. But yeah, I think this isn't, people aren't talking about Malachi Black's big win. They're talking about, oh, well, didn't see Cody. He nearly retired last night. Maybe he's hanging up the boots. And I do think he's going to be wrestling less now now that he's had a kid. And I think obviously he wants to spend more time being a dad and doing dad stuff. So I don't, you know, I. I always thought he'd wrestled less, but I didn't think he'd just go straight into retirement. And I think if Cody is going to retire, I feel his last match is probably going to be against Dirty's brother when he does retire. But yeah, basically, I'm just, I'm not happy that this took away from Malachi Black. I think if you want to tease a retirement, then I get it. But I think they should have done it at a different time. Maybe just have him come out next week and say, Cody has something to say in an interview with Tony Schiavone. It felt like he's he been just... a sore loser or something, didn't it, Liam? Like, oh, I lost to yeah, Malachi. Yeah. Like, that's it. I'm, I'm, you know, and he's sulking or something. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, instead of just... Obviously, like I said, people aren't talking about Malachi. We're talking about Cody doing the world's saddest striptease. And I ain't here for that. I want Malachi Black to be put over. So to to offer some sort of defence for this, do you not think it's sort of in line with the feud that they might have going on, which is basically Malachi Black came in and said, you know, you're not the same person anymore. You're you're you know you and Arn both. You're kind of you know you're sad quitters essentially, and then he goes to retire after losing the match. Like, do you not think that's and that's what made Malachi Black angry potentially and attack Cody post match is that God, you're not you're not being the person I want you you're not being the opponent I want you to be, which is the direction I could see it going, just to play, you know, the other side of things. Well that's the other thing, and this is probably gonna be a spoiler, but I just think that Cody's bound to get the win back at all out and then 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 what happens? Like do we get 
a third match so they both go their separate ways and Cody goes back to be Mr. America and beating Miro for the TNT title like what goes on like is it going to be a second match do you think or do you think Cody's going to genuinely retire at some point in the next month I, I don't think he's going to genuinely retire within the next month no I I I and I don't think this feud is over either. I, I the way I see it going is Malachi Black cutting a promo, saying this is exactly what I was talking about. You know, I beat you once, and he's going to try and get that best match out of Cody Rhodes, and it probably will lead to a brutal pay per view match where Cody's covered in blood and you know trying to pull it out of the bag. Whether he wins or not, I don't know. Maybe um, you know it kind of. Uh, I know he's he's verbatim on wrestling podcasts, but it uh, it. Um, it kind of not verbatim verboten. Uh, it kind of brings back memories of the Velveteen Dream feud, where uh, uh, Alistair Black didn't respect him. Um, the whole "say my name" thing, and then eventually he gave him that respect by saying his name. Uh, and it kind of kind of reminds me of that. And like, even if Cody loses and goes out on his back and retires, um, I, I think it will be you know maybe earn Malachi Black's respect in a much harder fought match than they had at a pay-per-view um, and, and it might be an if Cody loses he retires thing maybe instead of the Jericho losing maybe Jer- Jericho won't have the retirement angle maybe Cody will uh, and maybe he will lose maybe he'll go out on his back as all wrestlers should um, yeah we'll, we, we shall see where things go that brings us to the end of our Dynamite review uh, lads well actually I'll, uh, I'll I'll dole out the uh my 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 awards actually no first off match of the night jack i am going to go with the main event but not for i'll go for two i'll be main event for actually what was my favorite kind of match moment but i feel like it's harsh to kind of give it best match of night because it was under five minutes so i will go with Miro versus Lee Johnson because I thought um, I know you didn't get my takes so I'll just make it brief but I thought it's a really good um, match for you know monster versus underdog and that's what I'm going to say so I'm going to give it to that which is going to be a mad one <laughs> Liam I'm going to go with Malachi versus Cody purely because obviously they're trying to build Malachi up and them beating Cody regardless of what happened after the match is obviously going to do that so I'm going to go Malachi versus Cody as well, just because, I mean, this is the, probably the one of the only times you'll ever hear us um, give a, a four-minute match, our uh, match of the night. But I, I just thought it was great. Like I said, what he can do, uh, show, show that he's capable of in minutes, is, is as you say, the very reason they that WWE should be cursing themselves that they let him go. So that uh, couple of awards to give out the screamer of the night. Uh, well, first and for well, actually no, the, there's only there's only one contender for me, and that has to be um, those those German suplexes. Oh no, actually, oh, is it Layla? Is it the uh, bunnies German suplexes uh, selling, or is it Christian Cage singing? That was quite shocking. So I'm going to go for that. I'm going to go for. <laughs> Christian Cage saying um, Jack I suppose it falls to you to take over and give the heel moment of the week oh I, I got put on the spot here um, heel moment of the week we will go for um, I think we'll go for 
the elite and hang uh, Kenny and Hangman segment, and I'm going to go for Kenny commanding the Bucks to keep continuously hitting oh. the um, the BTE trigger because he kept on shouting. Then he was like, and again, and again. I like, yeah, I like how specific you're being about the moment because that was disgusting. God damn it. So I assume as a, a guest on the show and not yet a not yet a permanent member of the show, but we'll talk about that in a little bit um, before we leave. Uh, Liam doesn't have the card, so I'm assuming Jack does. Yes, I've prepared this very well. Even before we started recording, I got it up. Um, only three matches. Take note. There you go. Only three matches announced so far. Um, singles match between Nyla Rose with Vicky Guerrero versus Chris Statlander with Orange Cassidy. Um, you know, that tense, tense feud that's been building. Um, oh, yeah. The Im- <laughs> huh? I just said, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Impact World Tag Team title match between the Good Brothers and the Dark Order. Dark Order's being Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. We just got to specify that. And the fourth match in the Five Labors of Jericho with special referee MJF, uh, Chris Jericho versus Wardlow. And that is that. I don't know any other, like, promo segments. I don't know if they announced any of them. I just got the matches. Special guest referee, MGF, question mark. No. Um, <laughs> do you want to put money on it? Yeah, how much? Fiver? Yeah. We'll so. go We'll go low, because we're not, you know... Honestly, because no, the thing is, thing is, they might they might honestly change it to that because of how open they've left it, so I don't actually want to do that. <laughs> Pussy! <laughs> Fiver, then. Fiver, even though I don't completely there believe it's going to happen. But Liam, you you're here. Um... Is, oh yeah, I think Liam owes me it. No, I owe Liam a fiver. Uh, <laughs> all right, I, I'm owing everybody fivers. Anyway, um, I digress. Uh, yeah, where were we? Oh, match. Sorry, most unprofessional podcast. That's that's what we're, that's our bragging rights. Which match are for? you looking forward to the most? Jack got it out eventually. There we go. I am gonna go. I'm looking forward to most the Jericho versus Wardlow with special referee M. Jeff. Liam, same question. Well, we're just spoiled for choice, clearly. There's so many great matches on next week's card. It's going to be such a good event. Is I'm going to be honest. Or... I'm not... Yes, it is. I'm not really yeah, excited man. for any of them. But if I, have... if I have to pick, fuck it. Let's go with the Rose match just for the fun of it. I don't care. <laughs> Jack, we usually, we usually announce segments. And so I'm going to say what I'm looking forward to the most is the Dan Lambert segment. <laughs> Oh, yes, of course. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's either that or if I had to pick a match, it would be the uh, the Dark Order versus the Good Brothers, to be honest. Oh, we all had different ones. That's cool. Yep. So that brings us to our last order of business, and that is... Yes, it is. It is less important shows. And we start with the news that Bray Wyatt has been released from his WWE contract. He is... He, oh, and Jojo uh, as well, his his wife. So they've, they've gone after the whole family now because obviously uh, Bo Dallas was released a while back as well. Liam, um, madness. Matt, surely. Yeah, um, um, obviously he hadn't wrestled for a considerable amount of time. Uh, obviously there's reasons on what that might or might not be the case, which I won't get into now out of respect. But yeah, um, whether... He does well. Apparently, he eventually. was in. Apparently, he was in the plans for for a, for a comeback. Yeah, I mean, it was clear two days before he was released, so it was clearly being thought of and worked into something with SummerSlam and everything else coming out of fans are back, especially. It's just, it's just such a missed opportunity. The Fiend is. 
to everything that guy did was gold. The cult leader stuff, when you had the, the straw hat and was just this southern preacher guy, the maybe everything except the uh, time he was going to be uh, um, Sister Abigail, the kind of female reveal version of himself. Um, maybe that was the only miss. And it, they were going to have that match that never was, that was uh, Finn Balor as Pumpkin Finn Balor, Pumpkin King Finn Balor versus um, Bray White and Drag. I'm almost sad that we didn't get that because of how terrible it would have been. It would have been a uh, a glorious shit show. Um, but no, The Fiend, I just want to, one thing I want to say about The Fiend, how talented you have to be to do a gimmick like that in 2021 and it not be corny. He is mind-bogglingly creative, mind-bogglingly talented. Um, and just, I don't know what they're thinking. Um, I want to work in the fact that Adam Cole, uh, Bebe, has not, he, uh, he's, they, I mean, he's working, he's out of contract. His contract's expired, I think. Um, but he's out of good, out of goodwill to WWE because apparently that's the kind of guy he does. I think he did a similar thing in Ring of Honor. He's uh, offering to work through SummerSlam uh without a contract and he hasn't been offered a new one so jack i'll come to you for both of those uh what is wwe thinking letting the fiend go the bray wyatt slash the fiend go and um yeah uh potentially letting adam cole go as well i mean i'm not sure about bray wyatt I, we can hope but i think we know exactly where adam cole would be headed if he you know if he does leave which it seems to be going that way adam cole baby um yeah no they're smoking someone over there in Stanford. Um, there's some, <laughs> some shit. Mm-hmm. Gonna, we yeah we have uh, we have had discussions this week, Tom, over um, the phone discussing this, and um, you made some big claims which I agree with. Um, there just seem to be absolutely no idea what they're doing. Um, they're literally letting all their big stars go. Um, like even you mentioned, like the big ones in WWE, and a lot of them are gone or going now, um, and it's just ridiculous. Well, apparently Bray Wyatt's uh, firing specifically has shook the locker room because he was a guy they thought was safe. He grew up in a wrestling family. He had all the boxes ticked. He was He's a huge merch seller. He's right up there with Roman, with selling merch. So, you know, I, I, there's no... Maybe, maybe Becky's safe, Roman's safe... Um, probably a few of the women's Charlotte Flair specifically they're safe uh, mainly because they can pay them less and still do despite all the women's revolution talk Um, I just want to get in quickly and say this is the first time ever that I could see WWE not being a company in 10 years and I don't think it's because they're going to go bust all right I don't think it's because they're going to go bust because they're making more money now than they ever have been but they're making the least off of like traditional revenue like ticket sales and and stuff like that they've got television deals and television's in a bad state right now what we're streaming uh stream you know streaming taking over um even even low viewership which they are dropping they're in the low one millions now they could drop below um even even low viewing figures like that is as long as you've got consistent viewership, which WWE probably is always going to have with um, you know people trying to grasp at the glory days. Um, you know networks want stuff like that, so they're getting big money from TV deals. They've sold off peak uh, the network to Peacock in the US um, to NBC. Uh, yeah, they're they're you know and the the Saudi Arabia deal. They're making more money than they ever have, but they'd still be making more money than they ever have if 
if nobody if they didn't sell a single ticket shift a single piece of merch or um sell a single network subscription that's how that's the crazy state we live in and why they just don't give a shit about the fans but i don't think it's a viable long-term solution because there's going to be this the time come up when net uh, contracts are being renewed and they might not make as much and i think what's going to happen is they're going to sell to someone potentially disney like uh with through the connection with fox smackdowns on fox and uh and i just i think whoever gets it say disney they inherit it and they inherit it with this writing team thing that they've got going on in wwe and they just think this is how it's done and they're even more detached from wrestling than they currently are because they've they've given it to a new company and said this is how it's done and it's not how it's done and i just i feel maybe it will just liquidate eventually um and and that's what i, I can see happening um yeah, Liam, uh, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, well, my thoughts on the future of WWE, I mean, obviously with the record profits they've posted recently of, I think it's 250 million or something about region, million, not billion, uh, I think it's, obviously that's why the releases that are quote-unquote for budget cut reasons are so poorly timed and poorly worded because you don't need a budget cut when you have 250 million profit over the course of three months. Uh, I mean, future, that's the thing with WWE, they're one of them where in its current state while Vince's in charge, regardless of how many viewers they get, like like you said, like obviously before we recorded as well, like just to refresh me to maintain when they could just not sell a single ticket and they could still make record profits just because of the TV deals and stuff. And but it's I'm not long-term on... thinking, is it, with, you know, with them losing out to AEW and... Potentially. If you want my honest opinion, I think that when Binks eventually fucks it at whatever age that is, I think that what they'll do is they'll probably be similar to Marvel and I think they'll just have like these one-off special events every few months and that'll be it and that'll be the new WWE. There'll be no more Raw, no more SmackDown because they don't, they won't need the TV deals long-term because they'll have the network and they'll probably have other stuff on the network. Like, they don't even have the network in America now. They sold it off to Peacock. They just seem to be shipping off their that's, Yeah, but that's what I mean. But the thing is, in five years, they'll get the network back and they, yeah. they can sell it on again. So, like, for long-term, them just selling on the network to loads of different companies and loads of different countries for a like, fixed time period could be what their business model is rather than having Raw and having SmackDown and having all these superstars that you need to fill out all this time. Obviously, that might not be the case in, like, five, ten years' time. The, the actual format of WWE itself could very well be changed. I just feel... The House of Cards eventually has to come crashing down if no one's watching the current product or less and less or the viewership's going down and down and down. Um, I just want to touch on one quick thing and I only come, I know, I know we're pushed for time so I'm only going to come back to you, Liam, on it. But uh, you mentioned, and it's a good segue into it, the Marvel thing. Um, and it reminded me of WWE. So the whole Nick Gage thing, the Pizza Cutter thing, we haven't talked about the Pizza Hut incident uh, where Pizza Hut ran a commercial uh, right after they went to break with Nick Gage using the Pizza Cutter on um, on uh, on Chris Jericho in their match last week. And there was a quote-unquote break in the story. Someone quote-unquote broke the story, some quote-unquote journalist um, who it, it's come out has potentially has ties to wwe they they don't usually retweet uh dirt sheet writers and they've retweeted him before about his story about uh wwe becoming more like marvel which is what reminded me of it what you said um and i can't remember who it was someone like sean ross sap or something you're usually in the know with these people these journalists um said like it's not 
it might not have been Sean Rossap, but it was someone like that. It might have been PW Insider or something like that, Torch. Um, said it's it's very within the realms of possibility uh, that he is, uh, this journalist was a WWE plant. Um, scummy behaviour, wouldn't you say? If that's true. Yeah, 100%, as you said, if it's true, and 100% scummy behaviour. A uh, bit of a shady business tactic from Vince McMahon, but Vince McMahon and shady business tactics go together like uh, Jimmy Snocker and killing people in a hotel room. Allegedly, allegedly, for legal purposes. He, I don't care legal purposes. Tamiga can sue us if she wants. What, what does, what do we have that she doesn't have already, other than probably a better chance of winning the world title? Allegedly. I'm sorry, but. No, there's no allegedly about it. Vince paid the people off. Come on, we both know he did. But, yeah, back to my point. Uh, shady business tactic, but wouldn't really expect anything else. Uh, and it was also, it was Domino's rather than Pizza Hut. And while sorry, I'm there, Domino's, Domino, sorry, sorry. Do- Domino's is the most overrated of the big pizza companies. Oh, and I hate that's it. A hill, that is a hill I'm willing to die on. Oh, no, so true. Um, so uh, I'm going to stick with you, Liam, really quickly, because, as I say, rushing through... Uh, Ruby Soho, formerly Ruby Riot, um, also obviously got released. She may be showing up at uh, All Out potentially, maybe the number twenty-one in uh, the the Women's Casino Battle Royale. Uh, also, want to get your thoughts on Ric Flair's release? He um, he has said his release was for quote unquote business opportunities, I believe, which may hint at you know he's doing something, going somewhere. What what do you see for both of those? Ruby Soho is a good addition to the women's roster. She is. Quite versatile. I mean, to be fair, main roster didn't really watch much of her, but I know being NXT, she was this like plucky underdog baby face. And she had a feud with two people, and I can't remember who it is for the life of me. But there was a feud they was in, and uh, Regal or whoever it was in charge, I do think it was Regal at the time. He said to her like, "Who do you want to face?" And she just went, "Well, give me them both at the same time. I'll try to take them on." Like, she had that proper, like, underdog mentality and that underdog energy about her. And I do feel that if she is going to AEW, she'll be a very welcome addition to it. And it also gives Tony Khan the chance to trademark another song because I know there's a Rancid song called... I yeah. think it might be called Ruby Soho. It is. I don't know. Yeah, say I know Molly showed it me about a month or so ago. So get the checkbook out, Tony. Come on, do your thing. <laughs> As for Ric Flair, I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him in AEW. I don't either, all. but I think he might end up Just, being in AEW. I don't want to see it happen. See, but that won't help with... That won't help with the meme of, you know, AW sawing everyone who gets fucked off from WWE recently. Especially I'd seeing as Ric Flair has gone to Impact before. Yeah, exactly. I just want to basically see, you know, as Ric Flair just do a few signings, maybe do a few commercials of Viagra or something in his spare time, whatever <laughs> he wants to. And just fucking, yeah, literally, just have him do Bluetooth with Sean Ross Sapp. Not literally, I mean the commercials. And <laughs> just, yeah, just have him do whatever he wants. It's end of the day, he's 72. He doesn't really have many future endeavours left, so there's no <laughs> point rehiring him. Just, just let him do what he wants and just let him live his life, man. Uh quickly news out of new japan um uh, there is for the never open weight six-man tag uh, it will be chaos versus suzuki gun um and ishii on the chaos side has said to suzuki that if uh suzuki gun lose if because uh, they're defend they're the defending champions and if they uh lose their titles or is it the other way? anyway um if they lose the match uh they have to become tai chi gun which is kind of similar to if uh 
if, um, say, Chris Jericho said uh, had a match with the Pinnacle, and he said to MGF, "It has to become Wardlow has to become the new leader of the uh, the Pinnacle." It's god tier shit stirring, to be honest with you. Uh, and speaking of Ishii. Um, Ishii will be facing Moose. It has come out at New Japan uh, Resurgence. Jack's a big fan of Moose. So on our last story, would you like to tell us how you're looking forward to that? Should be a banger, should be a hard hitter, do you not think? I, I agree. I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, definitely going to be a good match. Also, though, in terms of that card, it's starting to look a bit sacked with um, Lance Archer versus Tanahashi. And there's um, a Jay White against um, David Finlay match uh for the never open weight title so it's looking like a good little card coming together there gonna look forward to watching that one that's lovely i like that um yeah that brings us to the end of our show thank you for joining us it's been lovely having you liam and your minute to talk about your cat stuff wait now. wait no 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 let me oh, get no. the timer let me get the timer three two one go liam go Right, I will start to talk about my cat. Uh, basically, I've had him for like 10 years. He's, as I mentioned in the podcast, he's called Ollie. He's named after Ollie Sykes from Brimbula Horizon. He was either going to be called Ollie or Chester, which I have another cat called Chester, but I will save him for the next podcast. But yeah, he's one of them. He only really likes you when he wants feeding. But he, he likes being around women a lot more than he likes being around men. He never leaves Molly alone or my mum. Um, as for me or my dad, he hates us, basically. But it's like, obviously, today with uh, Greedish fucking off to City, I was a bit gutted. And he come into my room today for the first time in, like, seven months and just lay by me. So I think he knew I was gutted, as weird as that sounds. Like, I've always said that pets know when you feel like shit. And, yeah, he does today. I mean, I wasn't appreciative of him biting my foot during the podcast or... Walking on the laptop, and I'm trying to speak about a match, but. Ding, 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 your time's over. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you notice how he got, he got, he cheekily slipped in a little bit of football there as well, which is also what you wanted to talk about. <laughs> For shame. Um, it's only meant to be about your cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we leave you also with the news that there will be a format change coming up soon. Um, Patrick uh, won't be able to make... He, he will be back next week, but uh, in a few weeks' time, he won't be able to make Thursday our Thursday night recordings. So he will be joining me on our brand new show. We will be uh, reviewing Rampage. So you will soon have two shows a week from the WANK team. Liam may or may not be joining us uh, as a permanent addition on Thursdays, depending on whether he sorts his shit out or not. Um, and that's all from us. So... Goodbye, good night, take care of yourselves. (laughs) 